Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. This message can help set the foundation uh, for our church um, and, the, and the type of culture that is in our church. And um, so let's, let's start with recapping of last week. Um, I, I strongly believe that God is not done with what he wants to do in each of our lives. He wants to work and continue to work. So last week we talked about brokenness. I got my big hammer and I wrapped up a plate and I broke that plate and, uh, and, and we talked about how many times that um, we are like that plate broken and we come before Jesus and we hide it and we're afraid to present what we have to him because of our brokenness. And so we broke down the story of the 5,000 and how Jesus worked a great miracle and how he fed those 5,000 by breaking the bread. We talked about how many of us are broken and we're afraid to present ourselves to Jesus because um, maybe what I have to give is not good enough. I've been there. I've, I've faced that thought in my mind that I'm not good enough to do what God has for me. I'm not good enough to receive what he has for me, but that is the beauty of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we discussed how culture t- tries to make us fit a certain mold. I got some tape, and I tried to put the bowl back together, and it didn't really look anything like what it had originally looked like. And the point that I was trying to drive home with that was that we do this on a daily basis with our brokenness. We try and fit a certain mold. We try and fit a certain way and, and try and shape ourselves into a, into a life that isn't what truly God has for us. And so we talked about how we try and fix that brokenness and try and regain something that resembles the original thing. We just want to be somewhat whole. We just, we want to resemble what we once were. I remember all the brokenness that I've gone through. I remember all the hurts and pains that I've gone through. And, and I just want to try and get to something that resembles what I once was. Many of us have been there. Many of us have faced that. And that was kind of the focus of last week. We, we talked about when we, when we saw the small offering that was given to Jesus of the fish and the five loaves, like just a couple fish, a couple loaves of bread. And he took that small offering, that, that little insignificant offering, and he began to bless it and began to break it. And he began to feed the multitude that was there. Think about that. Your brokenness has the ability. It can be the offering that you give to Jesus. It can be the offering that you give to him and see him begin to bless it and begin to touch other people's lives. Like, I'm thankful for the brokenness that I had because I believe that the brokenness that I experienced in my life was Jesus getting ready to bless and be able to touch someone else's life. So we have to change our perception into what we think and and look at what God can do in the miraculous what God can do he takes something that is impossible and turns it into something that is possible we see how great the miracle is but what we what many of us miss is that in the end it was the leftovers that was the miracle the leftovers there were 12 full baskets after feeding the 5000 he could have stopped at just the 5000 but yet there was enough to continue to sustain them when we so what that made us believe is that Jesus is the god of more than enough that everything i need i can go to him and find my strength i can find my peace i can find exactly what i need and uh I don't know, last week I, I loved that, but we kind of left off with the brokenness. And, and the idea of, of, of leaving it off with that brokenness, when we see him break the, break the bread, when we saw that, we saw that he was the God of the bread when it was whole. But it's, he was also the God in the brokenness. And it's the same in our lives. He's the God in our brokenness. And, 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 and we can come to him 
And he can be that God of more than enough. He can touch us, wrap us in his arms of love, and and sustain us and make us what we need. So the beauty of this miracle was not in the offering. It It wasn't in that it was whole, but it was when Jesus blessed it and began to break it. The beauty was in the brokenness. Don't be afraid. You don't have to hide your brokenness. I've been pretty transparent with my life with you guys. Like, hey, if you want to know someone who's pretty messed up, (laughs) I'll raise my hand for you, okay? I've made many mistakes in my life. I've done and gone through so much junk. But the case is all across this place today. All of us have brokenness in our lives. And, and, And the beauty is in that brokenness. So that kind of sets up. I, I'm going to kind of teachy preachy kind of stuff um, because I, I want to build a foundation here um, before I jump into uh, Mark chapter 7. There's some really important stuff. I, I was convicted when I read Mark chapter 7. I just, it, it sat with me all week. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this. So let, let me give you some background on this church. And so we, we've been a church for just a little over a year now, not, not for a real long time. We, we moved into this building in July was our first service in this building. We had, meet, we had met at the Seventh-day Adventist before that, and, and prior to that, we were meeting at the Holiday Inn. And so we haven't been a church for real long. But I want to tell you about this church. So we're a Pentecostal church. And so I've had the question, what, is, what does Pentecostal mean? Um, you know, like you, you talk about any other types of churches and there's there's a definition for everything so everybody's something um so pentecostal um means that uh the book of acts depicts the birth of the church right so when you read the book of acts chapters 1 through 28 um it depicts the birth of the church and so the belief of being pentecostal is that we believe that The pattern that was set by the early church in Acts chapter 2 is the pattern for the church today. So like in in Acts chapter 2, it says repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it also also talks about breaking bread and and fellowshipping from house to house and things like that. We, We believe in fellowship. We believe in having a good time in church. Like you don't see it in the Bible that all they did was ever just have church. Like they also had a good time. Um, and so I want you to know, like, that's part of being Pentecostal is believing in that, in, in the fellowship and, and having a connection with your brother and sister in Christ. And, and so that's kind of like the mindset here. So I want to be as close to the Bible as I can because this is the basis for my salvation. If, if I ever preach something, if I get up here and preach and I don't bring a scripture, please tell me that I was wrong. Because it is. If I can't line up what I'm saying to the word of God, I don't have a business preaching it. There's a lot of things in here. I can preach about a lot of things. But if I get outside of the word of God, I'm not preaching truth. I'm preaching a lie. And so in my belief, I'm going to follow the Bible as close as I can. Um, So some people asked. I remember um, one of the first questions that um, was asked. He's like, the guy asked, he's like, so how do you dress at church? I was like, well, we... <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I prefer with clothes. <laughs> Unless you're live streaming, <laughs> you know, you're watching the live stream, <laughs> by all means, eat your house, do what you want. But when you're here, <laughs> I prefer clothes. <laughs> um, Pentecostal churches, like, you'll, you'll see um, dressed up to the to the T, suit. I have suits. If you want me to wear a suit, just tell me I'll wear a suit. I will be sweaty and hot and <laughs> probably won't preach as good. <laughs> but but I have suits, and I wear suits to different meetings and things like that. But so, so in, in my mind, if I told you, Jim, you can't wear your Vikings to church. You got to put your suit and tie on. I just created a barrier for Jim, possibly. Jim, if you want to wear a suit and tie to church, wear a suit and tie to church. You start wearing one, I'll start wearing one. 
<laughs> Let's coordinate, though. Let's uh, save that for, like, middle of winter. <laughs> so, and, and the same thing is, like, maybe, maybe you've noticed uh, my wife dresses different. Uh, she, she dresses, she wears dresses. Maybe you've noticed that, that's okay. But I'm not gonna tell you that, ladies, you have to dress like my wife. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you that. Because if I do that, then I create a barrier for you, right? And so there, there's beliefs in, in, in coming to church and like presenting yourself and, and we're gonna get into some more of that. But I'm not gonna hold to things that are not a conviction to you. Does that make sense? Like it's a conviction for my wife. She lives in covenants. She believes that that's how she needs to live. That's, that's her relationship with God. I'm not coming to you and being like, hey, you need to do all this thing so you can have a relationship exactly like my wife. I want to just be super 100% clear with that. Because I've had questions asked, and I figured when I read this passage of scriptures, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I need to preach. And it's, it, it's not an easy thing to preach. Um, but, uh, so, is there a dress code for church? No, just clothes. You know, I, I'm never, I'm never going to wear shorts to preach in. You'll never see me wear shorts to preach in. Um, and, and, and anyone that, that plays up here or sings up here, I prefer to not have, you know, short shorts or short pants, you know, or anything like that, because it's about presenting glory to God, and I don't want to draw attention to what's going on up here, right? Okay. So now that we're all on the same page in that, I'm not really into my message. I'm just kind of like going through this. I want you to know what we are. And this is what I feel like God led me to in, in reading these scriptures. So this is a Bible-based church. And if you ever have any questions about what the Bible says, ask. If you want to know questions about why my, my wife dresses or Ashley dresses the way that she dresses, they, they've got some scriptures that, that back up the way that they live their life. And, and reason to why they do what they do. I have reasons to why I do what I do. But we could, but, but what if I came and told you, hey, you need to get rid of your TV. Like, you can't call this your home church unless you have your, t unless you get rid of your TV. Now, like, I'm saying things that are, like, real. There's Pentecostal churches all across the world. They believe different. They have different things all across. I'm, tell I'm not telling you, hey, you have to get rid of this or change this or do this. Because if I do that, then I create a barrier for you to get to Jesus. And that's not what I want to do. I want to say, be a disciple of Jesus. You know what happens when you're a disciple? So I, I want to see God touch your heart. Because when God touches your heart, if you do what I tell you to do, if I'm like, hey, you need to do this and this and this, you're following my rules. I, I'm, not, I'm not putting out rules. I'm going to preach the word of God. I'm going to follow God's spirit. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. Why am I preaching this message today? Because it was on my heart, and I felt like I needed to do this. So we're going to do our best to use the Bible as our guide in the Pentecostal church. Will I make mistakes? Absolutely. We're, I'm human, just like you guys. I'm going to make mistakes. There's principles. So we talked about, I talked about the TV for just a moment. So like, why, why would I say that? Well... What you put in front of yourself, like sometimes you begin to replicate those things. So we'll dive in here and in chapter 7 here in just a moment, and it talks about TV. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, but um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but what you continually put into yourself is, is you'll be a product of. We talked about this in reaping and sowing. And so when we sow the word of God into our lives, things will change things, we will begin to pr produce hope, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things that we want, but there's also works of the flesh. And if we feed the works of the flesh, we'll produce hate, suffering, and all those different things. So let, let's continue to dive in here. So we're going to do our best to follow the leading of the Spirit in our services. That's why it's important, you know, like uh, sometimes at the end of the song, my wife will continue to pray, and I'll try and encourage worship. It's in those moments that God begins to move. So in Pentecostals, if Pentecostals love to worship, lift your hands. It's okay. You can laugh when I'm preaching. That's okay. We believe that's okay. You can fall asleep when I'm preaching. There's Bible for that, but the guy fell out of the window. So <laughs> careful. You might fall out of your chair. <laughs> 
I remember as a kid falling asleep <laughs> in church. <sighs> Look me on the back of the head. <sighs> I was praying. <laughs> I'm not going to flick you on the back of the head if I'm boring. If I start yawning, trust me, I'm going to wrap it up real quick. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to talk about uh, what chapter 7 says here. I'm getting ready to read it. Um, give me just a moment. Keep building this foundation. So let's dive in. Uh, what is one thing that we know about Jesus? In, in the series that we've been doing on Mark, what's one thing that we know about him? Does anyone want to just blurt something out? What do we know about Jesus? It's okay. I'm trying to. Provider, teacher, yeah. But you know what? He also, in the, in the book of Mark, when we look at what he did, he went around and, and, and he, he got on the Pharisees' case a lot. Like, he was, I think it's in Matthew where he says, you're, you're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Um, like, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're nasty. Um, so that's, Jesus said some pretty tough things to the religious elite of that day. So his, he set out to change the mindset of the day. He wanted people to serve him, not just in action, but he wanted relationship with them in their heart. So if we fall in love, the whole purpose of this series is for you to fall in love with Jesus. If I teach you about Jesus and teach you how great he is and you begin to fall in love with him and you want to follow him, there's going to be some things that happen in your heart, in your life that change. So I, I want, Jesus wanted it to be more than just a custom, just something that you do. So Jesus wanted a relationship with you to be more than just Sunday morning, dressing a certain way and being a certain way and acting a certain way. He wanted an everyday relationship with you, not just one or two times a week. So we don't want to be trapped by custom. Rather, we want to be in relationship. Rather, we want to serve God with more than lips. We want to serve him with our hearts. If I tell you to do something and, and, and you do it, you're serving my rules. You're not serving Jesus. And so if I put out a bunch of rules that you've got to be this, this way and, and do all of this and everything, then you have relationship with Jesus? No, then you just have relationship with rules that I created. And that's why... I want to present to you the importance of discipleship. The whole purpose of this message is to tell you that, that in Pentecost, we believe in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a relationship with me and Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, like God of the universe. Like that is what this is. I am emphasizing you have a personal relationship with him in this message. That's what I'm trying to get, that it is between you and him. The Bible talks about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What do you think that means? That means it's not just a free for all that you get to do whatever you want, but it means that I'm going to work on my salvation with fear and trembling. I'm going to do this. And God, if you want me to change something in my life, if you want me to do something differently, that is what I want to do. That's the purpose of this message. We're going to get more into what Jesus said here in just a moment. I promise I'll never preach without a scripture. So the purpose of this church is to bring people to the truth, to see lives changed and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Church culture does not dictate what we do. Church culture will not dictate how we sing our songs. Like there's some good songs out there, but we still ain't. Um, how great thou art, amazing grace. I got to get a couple more hymns. I'm just not real good. You know, I want the screen to change for me and... It requires me to use certain things. And <laughs> but we do sing some older songs. And, and, and I don't want you to think that, you know, to throw away the past and, 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 and just do the new thing. That's not what this is about either. But, but, but church culture, we can't be dictated by what has been done this way for 100,000 years. This is, this is how we have to do it. No. If it does not line up with the word of God, if it doesn't follow what's in the Bible, then there isn't a purpose in us doing it. So church culture does not dictate what we do. Jesus leads us. I will not create a barrier that stops you from moving forward in your relationship with God. If I do that, then I am guilty of sin. If I create a barrier that stops you from moving forward in your relationship with God, 
then then I am guilty of sin. I'm stopping you from getting to where you need to be with Jesus. That's why at Bible study on Tuesday nights, we, we teach about discipleship. We talk about things and like what the next step is. What do I need to do to be an active, growing Christian? So as you grow in him, it is natural to have things change, but it's not because I said, no one, well, my mom did tell me some things that I needed to change and do. But she was right. I was in the wrong. <laughs> um, the life that I lived, I changed not because someone made me do it. I changed because God convicted my heart. So I was in the military. I loved being in the military. I still to this day miss being in the military. But there came a point in my life where I felt God was like wanting me to get out. And I was like, but I love this. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so I actually, my pastor at the time mentioned, and he said, I really think that you, would, you should get out of the military. And I was like mad. Well, the reason why I was mad was because God had been dealing with me about it. <laughs> and then my pastor came in and said, hey, you should do this. And then I was like, oh, no, just because you told me to do something, I'm not going to do it. Like, so that, what is that? That's rebellion. The Bible says stuff about rebellion. So I, I didn't get out because he told me. I got out because I knew that it was. So I prayed. I said, God, if you want me to get out, don't let my, my unit get called up. Let my ETS date come. I'll get out. That happened. 30 days later, they got called up. I was devastated. Like, my unit is going. I'm not in anymore. I can't go with them. But it was God's will. And so because God convicted me, I had to follow his leading if I wanted to continue to be in relationship with him. So as I grow, things do change. I want to live in covenant with God. So I said all that to build a foundation for what Jesus said in chapter 7. Here we go. The Pharisees. That's how it starts. Maybe next week we'll have the words on the screen. <laughs> but as for now... <laughs> You have to look to your sheet. <laughs> the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed, and, they, uh, and there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? So let's talk about this for just a moment. There was a lot of stuff that just happened in that. The Pharisees were like, yo, Jesus, why aren't your disciples washing your ha their hands before they eat? And they were viewing it as sin. They were viewing it as something wrong with a ceremonial washing of hands. Like, they probably didn't have soap. I don't know what, the, what was involved in the ceremonial washing of hands, but it says ceremonial washing. It doesn't say washing with uh, Dawn dish soap or some, some Bath and Body Works stress relief soap. It doesn't mention that or, or rubbing your hands with hand sanitizer. I believe in washing hands. Love is in the air, so are the germs. Wash your hands. Like, there's a sign back there, see? I, I believe in washing hands. There's Germex right next to it. You can pump some Germex out, put it on your hands. You know what? Like, if you don't wash your hands, that's between you, but, like, I don't want to shake someone's hand that didn't, they didn't wash. So you see, like, there is some points to what the Pharisees were saying here, okay? They did have a good point. Like, they should wash their hands, but... They were viewing it as sin, what they were doing, because they were eating without it. So washing hands is good common sense. It's good to do. It's, it's okay to wash your hands. But you know what? Oh, you don't have to wash your hands to come to this church, but I prefer you do. <laughs> Showering is a good thing. <laughs> we have a small area. 
But it does not determine, it's not a determining factor in your relationship with Jesus. It may affect your relationship with others if you don't wash your hands, but that's up to you. I do recommend doing it, especially in the time we live. People will judge you if you don't use hand sanitizer. <laughs> um, so in every church, you're going to find things that they do. And in some cases, it boils down to what Jesus says next. We should serve him with our hearts. We should follow what he wants us to do. When we do that, our actions will follow. When we follow him with our hearts, our actions will follow. So what did Jesus say to him? Looking at verse 6, he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you, hypocrites, as it is written. Whoa, Jesus, calling them hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? Being a hypocrite is defined as engaging in something that you say is wrong. But, 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 but Jesus, I wash my hands before I eat. You see, that's what they saw. We're doing, we're doing the actions, you know, but we're not really doing it with our hearts. So I'm, I'm following, I'm doing exactly what I see to happen, but there is no action in my heart. So what am I emphasizing here? That there should be action in your heart. The action outside follows the action of the heart. So it's, Jesus says more about that. Let's hold on. So um, the point here is the Pharisees were saying that the disciples were dirty while they were technically just giving God lip service and not relationship with their hearts. So they were dirty on the inside. The disciples weren't dirty on the inside. They were just, they just had some dirty hands. But what they were doing was not sin. But what he was saying was what you have in your hearts is wrong. So what does it continue to say? It says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh, Jesus, don't let my heart be far from you. Don't let it just be words from my mouth. Don't let it just be actions, but let it be from my heart that I worship you. Let it be from my heart that I do everything in my daily life to serve and bring glory to you. Let that be. Don't let it just be from my lips. So they worship me in vain in verse 7, teaching as doctrines, human commands. So what Jesus said here is what pricked my heart. When I read this, I like, I couldn't, I stopped. I was like, Lord Jesus, have I ever done this? Yeah, I have. Have I ever created a barrier for someone to get to Jesus? Yes, I've done that. I don't want to be that guy that creates a barrier that stops someone from, take, from making a relationship with Jesus. I want to help you get a relationship with him. So, so what Jesus said here pricked my heart. If I create rules, if I say, hey, you gotta, you got to line up and toe the line and, and do all this, I, I may push you away from truth. I, I may push you away from having a, a relationship with God. I may ruin the opportunity for you to find Jesus Christ. I think about this. You know, in, in the past, we talked a little bit about church hurt and, and, and how churches have hurt people. Yes, they have. There's not a perfect person in this church. No one is perfect in this church. We've all made mistakes. But if I say, hey, you know what? You, you've got to live your life exactly to this. If I can't back up every word in the Bible, then, then, then I, I, it's a personal conviction. It's something that God gave me. I'm not going to force you to do what God wants me to do. But if God begins to convict you, that's when you begin to change. So <clears throat> this is why we, we talk about discipleship so much, because it is crucial to being a Christian. It is crucial to live in your life according to the word of God. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you need to be a disciple of him. In the pattern that he left us, I'm going to practice my faith in the power of his spirit. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow. I'm going to be a disciple of him in the pattern that he left. I'm going to practice my faith in the power of his spirit. So this is what Jesus said. 
was so powerful. He told them that they were just offering lip service, that they didn't truly have a relationship with him. He was saying that you're holding to the traditions and the traditions are your God. You're holding to these things and these are your God, not me, not, not, not the true God, the one true living God. You're holding to the washing of hands as your God. He was telling this because your actions say one thing does not mean that your heart is in it. Are you serving him for mom and dad? Or are you doing it for your own relationship with him? That's an important question to ask. I served, I served God for my mom and dad for a long time. But there came a point where it came and it was my decision to follow Jesus. I told you about the first time I went to church in Texas and how like I went and like was at the hotel the night before and was like crazy partying and doing my thing and my mom had called someone to pick me up for church and I had accidentally answered the phone and said yes I would go and uh, because I, I am a high pressure like you walk into Sam's Club and the direct TV guy is there and I'm like I gotta walk around the entire other side of the store I'm like, he's gonna talk me into it it's true like I'm not even kidding my wife drives her nuts <laughs> walk through Costco and they're selling pillows. Hey, oh, I gotta talk to them now. <laughs> Just too nice to say no. <laughs> and so I'm served God because of a decision that I made. So they picked me up for church and I went to church and, 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 and God touched my life that day. I was still hung over, probably still a little drunk. You know, I don't know how I woke up that morning and actually made it outside to the car, but I did. It must have been God. I made it there, and it became about my relationship, not my mom's. What I'm going to push here today is that it's your decision to follow Jesus Christ. Not my decision. I can't make it for you. You have got to make that decision. What have, why did I talk about everything that I talked about to get to this point? Because I want you to know the importance of making that decision. It is a daily decision that I follow Jesus Christ. It's not one and done. It's every single day. Jesus, I'm following you today. I'm following what you want me to do. Everywhere my foot steps, I'm doing it. So Jesus continued to talk in verse 8. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human traditions. Oh, I read that. I was like, oh, Jesus. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. Whoa. For Moses said, and this is like direct quote, honor your father and mother. And whoever speaks evil of the father and of your father and mother must be put to death. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my mom I love her today when I call her. <laughs> But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corbain, uh, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. So there was a lot of things that they were doing. It wasn't just the hand washing. There was a lot of traditions that they had handed down from mom and dad. Mom and dad had passed things. Grandfather had passed it. And all these traditions that they were doing was just offering lip service. It wasn't actually what God wanted because here they changed what he had said. He said, honor your father and mother. And if you speak evil of your father and mother, you got to be put to death. Well, they said, if I have this offering, if, I, if everything that I have is an offering to God, then I am exempt from taking care of my mother and father. That's what that word Cor Corbain means. That's what, that's what they were getting at. That's what Jesus was getting out. You have nullified what I said. So when the Bible says, do not add or take away from the Bible, the Pharisees were guilty of creating things that they were essentially adding to the word of God. So, so what's it mean? The word of God says to honor your father and mother. You better honor your father and mother. 
the religious rules uh, said that if you said this was an offering for God, then you didn't have to provide for your parents because technically it's not mine, it's God's now. Whoa, what were they thinking when they passed down this rule? To me, it sounded like the Pharisees and the religious elite of that day said, well, if we say this is for God, then we can say, you know, oh, I don't have anything for mom and dad. And it looked like it maybe was in favor of the Pharisees to have this tradition. Just something crazy that I was really on my heart when I was studying this. So meaning the word of God had been changed to benefit the religious and not deepen their relationship. Essentially, this action was creating a a barrier between the ability to serve God because they were no longer following the word of God. If we no longer follow the word of God, then there is a barrier that stops us from having a relationship with God. If I want to be in relationship with God, I must honor his word. This means where the Bible gives us the Ten Commandments, we better follow it. This means where it talks about living a holy life, we should strive to live a holy life. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with everyone. So what does that mean? If I'm mad at someone, what am I supposed to do? It's okay to be angry with them, right? It's okay to be mad and not like them and to hate them, right? It's okay. No, 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 no. It means to pursue peace. That means when someone uh, drives and cuts me off in the in, in the in the in the lane in front of me, what am I supposed to do? Blow my horn and 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 get mad and you know do all that other? No, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to pursue peace. Who's peace? Who's who's peace in the Bible? Jesus, right? So if I pursue Jesus, when someone cuts me off, I'm gonna be okay with it. When boss man says, "Hey, you're getting a you're getting a pay cut," I'm I'm gonna be upset. Like I'm also flesh. But you know what? I'm going to be like, you know what, God? If this is what you want, you'll make a way for something else. So I'm going to pursue peace with everyone. Everyone. And holiness, without it, no one will see the Lord. So what did the scripture say? If I don't pursue peace, if I don't try and live in holiness in my life, then no one, then I will not see the Lord. As I grow in relationship with Jesus, there will be things in my life that change. Outward change does not mean that there was an inward change. Inward change, however, will result in outward change. Anger, lifestyle, fruits of the spirit, those things change when what you're putting in changes. So verse 14, summoning the crowd. Again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him but the things that come out of a person are what defile him what does this mean Jesus was talking about the disciples at the time saying what they were putting into their body was not going to defile them but what come out does so we can we can talk about tv here Jim Jim are the defile are the, the, the are the Vikings going to defile you no, you can say no. It's okay. You can say no. Are the Devi- are the I can't even say their name. The Vikings gonna defile you? No. But if the if if I continually put that in, and I don't put in the Word of God, there's gonna be things that come out of me because I'm not putting in the Word of God. I'm feeding something different. So I I don't know what's this, what's this TV show that's popular right now. Anyone? Any, no one watches TV. Okay. America's Got Talent. Okay. Okay, perfect. We can use that for an example. So America's Got Talent. You know, there's some, there's some, there's some okay stuff in there. I, like, I watch America's Got Talent, like, on Facebook and whatever. So I, I scroll that, and I look at it, and I see some things. But you know what? Sometimes there's some things on there I probably shouldn't be looking at. But what goes into a person is what defiles them. But if I continually put that into me, there will be things that eventually produce something not good. So if I watch something that's full of anger, hate, and, 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 and division, and so if I watch the daily news, um, <laughs> if I put that in all the time, eventually I'm going to begin to produce that in my life. That's what I'm going to produce. But if I continue to put the word of God in my life, and I watch good things, and I, and I try and hide the word of God in my heart, because the Bible says if I hide the word of God in my heart, that I won't sin against him. So, 
What does that mean? Hide God's word in my heart so that I follow him, so that I pursue peace. Jesus, right? All right, so, however, in the other hand, if I continue to put sin into my life and do things that are contrary to the word of God, then what comes out of me is not going to be good. So saying all that, to say what is coming out of you is what defiles you. So if you're lying, stealing, cheating, or any of the other things that Jesus gets ready to mention here, then you are defiled and in need of repentance. If you're speaking good, living a good life, pursuing peace and holiness, then you're putting good things, and it's going to show an inward change, and there's going to be outward things that happen. So let's read verse 17. We're almost done. I'm, I'm only, a couple minutes, uh, only a couple minutes over. So when he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all food was clean. So like the pork products and things like that, Jesus was declaring is okay. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts. Evil thoughts, there's one. Sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. So if you're wondering what some sin might be, read verse 22 and 23, or 21 through 23. There is sin. Jesus listed it. It's not in breaking tradition. It's not in not doing certain things that maybe religious have, have created. But yet he wants to do a work in our hearts all the time. So when I have these things present in my life, I am in sin. If I try to create a rule for you to follow, I'm setting a barrier that stops you from getting to Jesus. Thus, you reject my rules and not Jesus. I can promise you everything that I do or ask of you will be backed up by the Bible. And I may make a mistake here and there, but, but what I do is going to be backed up in the Bible. Why did I mention holiness? Because we must have it to see the Lord. Why did I mention peace? Because we must pursue it to see the Lord. I want to see him. And so I'm going to pursue peace. I'm going to be peaceful with everyone I come in contact with. I'm going to do the best that I can. I, I'm tired of of the following all the rules and rituals. And I'm also tired of there is no rule. And there is no need to follow the rules. Both are wrong. The Bible gives plain instruction on living a life that is pleasing to God. If you want to have relationship with Jesus Christ, the word of life is written right here. So why talk about being a disciple? Because if you will follow Jesus, then there are things that you may have in your life that will all of a sudden just seem like you got to change. What happens is that God begins to deal with you and change you. That change results in covenant and deepening of relationship with Jesus Christ. So we talked about brokenness last week. The reason why we bring our brokenness to Jesus Christ is so that he can touch us, so that he can move in our lives. God's not done with you. He's not done writing your story. He wants to touch your life. He wants to change you. Why preach this message? Because it's important to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Why tell you we're a Pentecostal church? Well, because I don't want to hide anything from you. Like, it's what we are. It's what I am. It's like we believe in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Like it's on you to serve Jesus. It's, it's not on me. Like I will give you what's in the Bible, but it's on you to respond and to act on it. So one thing I'm not going to tell you is that you need to act a certain way or look a certain way or dress a certain way to come to this church. Go ahead and get rid of those fears. I am, however, going to encourage you to study the word of God and follow what it says. 
I'm going to encourage you to be a disciple of Jesus. The last thing that we need is to be like the Pharisees and put together a bunch of customs that are not ordered by God, but are put in place by man. <laughs> I, I don't know, this message was so strong on my heart last week. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes it's, it's hard to preach things like that. And I, but I truly believe what I just preached to you was the word of God. That the decision is yours. If you reject the word of God, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting him. But if I create barriers and I stop you, then it's me that's sinning. And I don't want to do that. I'm going to do my best to preach the word of God, to follow what he wants, and to encourage you that he's not done with you, that the brokenness that you have is, is not something that you have to carry alone. There's people all across this room that want to help you. There's people all across this room that have similar stories, so similar. And God wants to touch you. If this was a perfect church, we'd all be in the wrong place. But it's not a perfect church because we're all made up of imperfections and, and brokenness. There's a song that I, I want to play. It was on my mind this morning. And, and while this song plays, I want you to hear the words. And, and I just want you to, to begin to pray. And just, what is God dealing with you? What is the next step for you in your relationship with him? Jesus, God, I pray you would move right now, that you would touch us, God, that your spirit would begin to rush into Standing this place. In your Jesus, feels a lot like the end. So used to losing, you're afraid to try again. Right now, all you see are ashes where there was a flame. Truth is that you're not forgotten Cause grace knows your name God's not done with you Even with your broken heart And your wounds and your scars God's not done with you Even when you're lost and it's hard And you're falling apart God's not done with you It's not over, it's only begun So don't hide, don't run Cause God's not done with you You There's a light you don't notice Until you're standing in the dark And there's a strength that's growing Inside your shattered heart God's not done with you Even with your broken God's not done with you Even when you're lost and it's hard and you're falling apart God's not done with you It's not over, it's only begun So don't hide, don't run Cause God's not done with you
I came on this morning, kind of like my my prayer time before church, and 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 all I could think about was this message and how God is not done with us, that He's still writing your story. Don't give up. Continue to hold on. And if there's anything that I can do, my wife can do to help you. We want to. We want to help you be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want to help you teach you the Bible. We want to. You want to help you do if you ever have questions or anything. We're an open book. Um, this message was so strong on my heart this week, and and I hope that it sits with you throughout this week. That you would ask those questions. What do you want me to do, Jesus? He didn't write us off. All the mistakes and all the things that I did, he didn't write me off. But yet he took my brokenness as an offering and he blessed it. And he'll do the same for you. Thank you for for being here today. I thank you for responding to the message, to to the spirit of God that's in here today. And then I just just want to pray one last time as we close out that, that, that God would just touch your hearts. God, I pray right now that your presence would sweep in here and wrap your arms around each and every one of us. God, that you would touch us, that you would lead us into the next step. What is the next step that you have for us? That we would follow you every day, God. God, I pray right now that you would touch Sarah, even though she's sick. God, I pray that you would move in her life, that you would touch her, God. I pray for for Todd and Roxanne, God. I pray for, for, for Sharon, God. I pray you would move in her life. In Jesus' name, God, you know every request that's out there. God, I pray that you would move on those right now. In Jesus' name, God, every person that watched today, every person that was here today, that you would touch their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Tuesday, Bible study, 630. It's here. Love to see you. If you want to come, I'm not going to make you. (laughs) Your decision.